What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 198 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, what's going on? Man, you call them guys. Dirtbags. Dirt You've come a couple on. bunch of dirtbags. Yeah, what's up, dirtbags? Yeah, you freaking dirtbags. They probably thought they were listening to a different podcast at first, and they're just like, just got to remind them. Yeah. Sometimes you they're like, oh, good. Dirtbag. Oh, nice. They're not going to call us dirtbags this week. Ha. Hold yeah. you. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. If you're wondering uh, why are these guys calling us dirtbags, uh, that is a badge of honor that you can now wear because that is what the listeners of this program have uh, decided to call themselves. Uh, you are now a dirtbag because you have listened to an episode of the Midwest Angler Podcast. And uh, we thank you for that. Um, yeah, we got a fun episode planned for you today. Uh, we are, is that you, Matt? That was me. me. That was me. me. God dang it. Amateur. Amateur. You'd think after 197 episodes that a guy would get that figured out, but I haven't. Um, whatever the case, uh, uh, we got a fun episode for you today. And, uh, before that, uh, we want to give a shout out, uh, to Dakota Angler in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, ice is officially here. And, uh, if you, uh, if you haven't, uh, time to get in there and, uh, um, get stocked up on, uh, on jigs, on bait, uh, whatever you want. Uh, they've got it. Dakota angler in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, go see Todd, Josh, Nick, and the guys, uh, up there North, Northern side of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And just remember, uh, Christmas is right around the corner, so it'll sneak up on you, you know, gift cards i'm sure you get some gift cards from dakota angler if you don't know what to get the angler in your life uh like us right if you go up there and you're confused and you're just like man there's so many different colors what size did they say that they needed um all of all, them yeah just you know get them a gift card dakota angler and uh let them go out there and pick out their own stuff because sometimes that's that's all right that's how you people, really get what people, they want right people like sometimes are a little afraid to give gift cards because they're like it's Hell just no. not real personal no. well you know some people are like yeah but it's like you're just opening up it's just a gift card like you want to write their name excited. on it real personal right you want to see the yeah put dirt bag on it yeah yeah <laughs> merry christmas dirt bag yep <laughs> and if they have that uh if if you get them a gift card then they can go on www.dakotaangler.com and they can use code dirtbag Get themselves some extra money off. Yeah. And then they're all stocked up and ready to go for the winter time. Everybody wins. That's Everybody right. Everybody wins with the code Dirtbag. <laughs> nope. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, we're coming at you a couple days late. Um, obviously, if you listened uh, last week and the week before, uh, you know that uh, I was down at the Cox Ranch uh, in west central Nebraska. I don't know what you'd Just call it. Western life. Nebraska, northern, northwestern Nebraska, whatever. Living my best life, being a cowboy, being a deer hunter, being a coyote scarer, uh, you know, just kind of doing all that type of stuff and uh, just had an absolute riot. Uh, I was able to harvest a whitetail. My brother was able to harvest a mule deer. And, uh, cow dang it, it was, uh, whew, it was a lot of fun. Do you, like, a trip like that where you're killing deer, you know, you're out there hunting deer, hunting coyotes, um, sharp tails, just all this stuff. Do you come back with a, a few extra hairs on your chest after a trip like that? Oh, yeah. Ranching yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I just... Pff, more hair on my chest, uh, you know, I just... I, I don't know. I, I like, on the toughness scale, like, if if you if I went down there as a red belt, 
I came back as as what's like one below a black belt. I have I don't know the belt. I think it's probably brown belt. <laughs> Something like That's that. That's why I came back. I'm brown belt and like I am dang close to freaking moving to black belt. <laughs> that's how. That's where I'm at. Really. I always I follow this guy on like Instagram and social media, and he's always like talking about. He's an old military guy, and now he just kind of like lives off the grid type thing. But he's always called like doing basic dude stuff is what he'll say. Basic dude basic stuff. Basic dude stuff. You know, he kind of has tutor- tutorials all the time on it and stuff like that. So sharpening stuff, knives, like, eating yep. beef jerky, yeah, and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, so. Basic dude stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Come that's, back just from Nebraska feeling like you just had a whole weekend full of basic dude stuff. That's basically what it was like. Uh, um, you know, like I said, uh, we, we probably passed on a couple of deer early, um, you know, that looking back, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have. You know, they, they were in that marginal uh, range where it was like, ah, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely not, you know, up, up in, you know, trophy caliber or whatever, but, uh, um, you you know and and for us from up here uh that that aren't used to seeing uh you know mule deer right you know just i mean even so when well, even like the small mule deer it's, it's like, like oh whoa. my god like right. you know that thing's tall and it's like yeah but it's you know it's a smaller you know yeah. young mule deer you know what what's equivalent to our spike whitetails you know is like holy smokes like you know that's pretty big down there and so you know it, it's hard to kind of get your uh, get your mind wrapped around that and, and really figure out what you're looking at. But, uh, um, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, obviously, like I said, looking back, there was a couple mule deer that, uh, um, yeah, you know, maybe, may, maybe I should have, uh, should have done something on, but it was early on in the trip. And, uh, um, you know, I, I'd be lying. Uh, you know, there, there's a part of me that's a little disappointed because it was a white tail, you know, you go down there and you know, it's mule deer, mule deer. But you know, then there's that other part of me that's like, you know, it's really pretty badass that I got to yeah, say white tail, you know? Sure. And, and so, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, uh, you know, obviously it was, it was the last day and, uh, I had, I had pretty much made up my mind. I was going to go back empty handed and, and I was, you know, I was really fine with that. I told the guys, you know, Hey dudes, like, let's just go fun hunting. Let's not even worry about deer. Like, let's just go try to shoot some coyotes. Let's go try to shoot some Sharpies. Like Do I was, I was basic dude stuff, basic dude stuff. <laughs> I mean, I was content with coming back, uh, you know, empty handed. I really was. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, you know, we're, we're doing a little bit of coyote hunting. All of a sudden we see some Sharpies get up. So it turned into a Sharpie hunt. All of a sudden Eric sees sees you know these bucks and so the sharpie hunt turned into a deer hunt and and uh you know i i i'll I'll, i was pretty jacked up when i shot that deer i I was uh i i kind of did a lot of fist pumps and did a lot of (laughs) probably you know did a lot of fuck yours (laughs) (laughs) type of deal and uh um, i was i was pumped i was i was pumped because you know you excited yeah and especially after like hunting hard for a few days yep. and yeah it it all kind of comes full circle and yeah yep now the cool part about my brother's deer uh he he ended up shooting his deer in this pasture that they call the davy and all three of his sandhills deer three years in a row have come within about 200 yards of each other That's like crazy. i mean you could you could stand and throw a baseball 
uh, you know, to, to all the different spots that he's that he's shot his deer, and, and they're all right next to each other. So that's uh, pretty cool. We We're actually start calling that the Ricky instead of the Davy. We've officially renamed Eric to Rick Davy. Rick Davy. <laughs> And uh, he, he, he's writing a deer or a, a book on mule deer hunting, the old Rick Davy. Just that, that, that's an old cowboy name. It really is. I'm Stone Cold Sandhill Scott Sturman. <laughs> <laughs> give me a hell yeah. Yep, give me a hell yeah. And probably, probably pour a beer all over myself. But uh, nope, the food was great out there. Aaron, good God, that lady can cook. We freaking ate so dang good, and Garrett bought me a big old 12 or a root beer, and uh, we had Sioux City, we had Dad's, we had like Red Eye root beer, we had all different sorts of stuff, a variety pack, and so I'm pounding those. It's rodeo, the national yeah. finals rodeo's going on, so we're watching that, and God, it's just, it's living. I mean, I I wore a cowboy hat down there, and... Uh, Felt felt good. Felt dang good. Did some ranching. Yeah, did some ranching. Had to do some chores. Help some, out with that. Yep. So, uh, so with all that, uh, we've got Zach Cox uh, going to be on the show today. Um, but before we cut over to him, I want to give a quick shout out to Sabiatos. Uh, Sabiatos is a pasta company that uh, uh, Zach's mom, Deb, has uh, actually started uh, not that long ago down there on the ranch. Um, they've got. Uh, um, one, one of Zach's brothers is a chef, uh, Garrett is a chef. They've got, uh, a friend named Gisela and, uh, I think they all kind of came together and, uh, came up with a couple of recipes and they have officially started, uh, a pasta company down there. Uh, Sabiatos actually means blowing sand. I think oh, it's, cool. I think it's blowing sand in Italian. So, uh, that just made sense. And, uh, um, Eric and I have actually been lucky enough. Uh, we made some stainless steel stuff for her down there. We watched her uh, make uh, some pasta this weekend. She sent some pasta back with us. I sent a couple bags over to Jeremy K because he welded up a bunch of that stuff. And uh, um, I'm telling you that they're. It's kind of like a Freedom Brew deal here, guys. Like I'm telling <laughs> you, like these are the guys. They're they're. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the best ingredients, uh, the passion is there. If you are interested at all in pasta, uh, let me quick figure out how to, I, I ain't going to tell you how to, how to spell it, but it's S-A-B-B-I-A-T-O-S, S-A-B-B-I-A-T-O-S, Sabiatos. Uh, they got a website and it's sabiatos.com. Uh, for for a big bag of this pasta, it's seven bucks. Um, I, I'm telling you that this is what you got to do. If I'm if 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 you're a guy listening to this and you want to kind of impress the old lady, you get on Sabiatos.com and you uh, get her a little pasta. Yep. yep. This make even make her some pasta at home. And on these bags, it even tells you what kind of wine to pair it with. Yep. So I mean, you it's go, very important to know. Yep. So you get a little bit of that pasta. You go down to the local liquor store. You get your hussy a bottle of wine. You come back up, and I mean, you you want to go fishing this weekend? Sandhills living right there. That, I'm I'm telling you, you want the brownie points to go fishing this weekend. You do a little sabiatos on a Thursday night, maybe a nice movie, Netflix and chill. Sabiatos, <laughs> a bottle of wine. You you are gonna get the brownie you're points in. to go fishing yep, this you're weekend. In. How, how do you think Matt gets to go fishing so often? That's right. Sabiatos. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, 
uh, whatever we're gonna we're gonna leave a link uh, on the Facebook post but uh, I highly suggest you guys check that out uh, uh, like I said Zach's mom Deb is the one that's doing that and uh, um, yeah felt that we should give them a shout out now we'll get over to Zach uh, we'll, we'll, we'll head over to him right now and today on the show we uh, we've officially got the old son Zach Cox Zach how are you doing Good, how are you guys? I'm doing wonderful. I was kind of hoping that Scott would give us like a yeehaw or yeehaw! like <laughs> or something to get us going. He should have said it. He's probably about out of yeehaws. He was yeehawing all weekend. That's you know just ranching, just you know doing <laughs> stuff and and uh, you know when you're the top hand on the ranch, <laughs> you, yeah. you just I mean you do what you got to do. I. That, I don't know that there was a, fen- a better fence, uh, uh, a better gate opener than me. You know, just, I, I don't know. You just do what you're good at, and, and mine's ranching. I'm telling you, I don't know who opened more gates, Eric or Scott, but I, I kind of felt bad there for a while. It seemed like they opened a lot of gates. Like, yeah. A lot, a lot of gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I'm not 100% sure. I think you were just going in circles and seeing if, <laughs> seeing if we could say gate. something. <laughs> Oh, and they were always the good tight ones. Yep, yeah. that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, Zach. Uh, obviously, uh, I just spent the week with you, and uh, um, tonight uh, Matt and I were kind of, um, you know, we we're, we're a couple days late, but uh, it just made sense. We had to get you on, and uh, we've been wanting to get you on, and and this is the week that it obviously made the most sense. So uh, um, you know the drill. When we get started, uh, we we like to throw out a couple of random questions. So uh, I want to know if uh, if you could take any rodeo star out fishing for the day, uh, what who 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 would be, that rodeo star be? Oh boy, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. I don't know. There's there's a lot of guys that'd be just fun to sit there, you know, sit in the shack and pick the brain. Uh, I mean, would you go old uh, school uh, with uh, Justin McBride, or are you going to go with Lane Frost, uh, the new guy, uh, Stetson Wright? Who you, who you going with? You know, honestly, I think Billy Upbauer would just be funner than heck. He's one of my, one of the guys I really looked up to. He made it just look flashy. He was old school, saddle bronc riding, and, and just sit there and pick his brain, you know, because he rodeoed up probably late 70s through the 80s. I mean, uh, you were still know, just a twinkle in Don's eye then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, rodeo is so different then, and to be able to pick his brain of what it was like rodeoing then, and you know, you had that was back in the day with Casey Tibbs and all those guys, just old school. And I think it'd be a lot of fun to sit in a shack with him for a day and and just uh, pick at him, you know? Heck yeah! Oh yeah! Heck yeah. All right. I guess mine's going to be, are you a cake or pie person? Ooh. Oh, I'm pie all the way. Okay. Which, which, yep. which is, what is your pie of choice? Uh, my pie of choice is easily, it's uh strawberry rhubarb. Okay. And the only reason I say that is uh, the only time you get strawberry rhubarb is in the spring during branding season. And it's kind of the first taste of spring a guy gets after battling snowstorms and everything else it's when you start going to the brandons and you start getting fresh rhubarb oh boy it's some of the best pie in my opinion well heck if scott's going down to brandon again next year i i happen to know a guy that has a rhubarb and a strawberry patch at their house so Ooh, 
baby. <laughs> You're flirting now. <laughs> I, I I got a feeling uh, I I I just had a lot of Aaron Cox's food, and I got a feeling Chica whipped together a strawberry rhubarb pie. I guarantee it. Yeah, she can. She's she's a heck of a cook. I tell you what. Yeah, that. I think that's the nicest you've walk- talked to her all week. I think <laughs> talked about her. We all walked away a little heavier after this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is no lie. No lie. Belly crawling on deer by the end of the trip was about impossible. I was just kind of doing the half worm. <laughs> <laughs> I got worried. We, You know, it took clear to Sunday to get a deer down, and I knew Scout, he, he hadn't shied away from the plates yet, so I knew the stinks were going to get harder and harder. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> call him the Sandhills Tremor <laughs> out there. You just see the sand moving. As yep. <laughs> they knew they were in trouble. They have ditches out there now. Because he, nah, he does. <laughs> now, now, normally we ask, uh, we ask uh, what your uh, uh, favorite wings are, but, uh, you know, you're a... You're a beef producer, so I want to know what's your favorite uh, what's your favorite cut of meat. Who? I I mean I love my prime rib, but you know if I'm going to throw something on the grill, you, you can't go wrong with the good old ribeye. No, no, you can't. Ribeye. no, no, you cannot. Cox beef, brought to you by Cox beef. <laughs> That's right. There you go. <laughs> no, Scott even help feed the the next Cox beef he goes in next week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just a rancher. I'm just a rancher. Like you heard it, you heard it right there. From, I'm I'm the top hand. So, uh, Zach, tell tell us. Uh, you know, for for those of the listeners uh, that that might be new to the show, haven't heard your dad on the show, didn't hear me talk uh, the last couple of weeks about heading down to your neck of the woods. Uh, uh, where where exactly are you from? Well, we're right on the edge of nowhere. I mean, we're somewhere, but you can see it from here. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're about we're stuck we're right smack dab in the middle of the Sandhills of Nebraska, uh, south of Valentine or halfway between Valentine and North Platte. That's probably the best way to put it. Little town of four hundred ninety two people. It's a real metropolis here. We have a swimming pool and uh and uh we heck we even have a public library. But uh we were really excited to get our first uh twenty four hour gas station, one and only. And they have slurping machines. But <laughs> it's a real small town out in the middle of nowhere and it's uh surrounded by ranches and uh ninety eight percent of the population around here if it's not a golf course it's or a school it's a ranch you yeah. know so that's that's our main base of income and and you are a rancher there uh uh you do not live in the town of mullen you're uh uh i mean what Twenty seven miles yep twenty seven miles northwest up on calf creek up on Calf Creek. Yep. That's yep. that's that's when you know you said you're out in the middle of nowhere. When you're talking about your living that your town is twenty seven miles away. I mean it's like okay, <laughs> and for that's, us for that's, us you travel you might be traveling through two towns to get twenty seven miles. That's twenty seven miles as the crow flies. You're right. not getting there no. in twenty seven minutes, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> At, uh, yeah, growing up, I mean you wanted to go do something, it was uh it was from home for me. It was two hours to go to a Walmart or a uh, movie theater. That's what I was like to tell everybody. <laughs> so cheap date. You know, it, it, <laughs> it was hard to date. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't related, 
you weren't related to him, it's a long ways to get him somewhere to take him on a date. <laughs> yeah, you gave Garrett the eyes every once in a while, but he fought you off. <laughs> no. Oh, man. No. No, so out there, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's not a place that a lot of people think about uh, uh, being a fishing hotbed. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, when when people think of uh, the upper Midwest and they think about a fishing destination, it's just not the Sandhills. You know, it's northeast South Dakota. It's northern Minnesota, uh, you know, along right. the Missouri River. But uh, here you are out in the middle of ranching country and... Uh, you've you've really got some some quality fishing and and i i want to dive into uh um those sandhills lakes but uh let's wait just a little bit longer on that but uh uh growing up you know your dad is 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 an ice team pro tournament angler what what exactly was that like uh you know growing up chasing tournaments uh what what's what's your earliest memories of that oh boy uh It all started, I mean, Dad, they hit a lot of tournaments, just local tournaments. We used to have a lot around here back in the day. You know, uh, Calamus had one, and there's one over northeast. I won't be, remember that one off the top of my head. but uh, And then Merritt, you know, you always hit that one. and So it kind of started there, I guess, for uh, tournament fishing. And then they got started getting into the NAFC tournament series. And, uh, and I guess, you know, growing up and... You always go out, and whether we go to the cafe or the little restaurant down the way in the evenings, and you sit there and you'd be eating along and visiting with people. And as a kid, you didn't realize it. Like you were sitting there visiting with all these guys that are, that are now pro staff for, I mean, Striker or Clam or whoever. I mean, and these guys are, you know, I think Dad probably met Jason Mitchell at one of the deals when he was just a young pup before he was, you know, what he is now. And, like, you meet all these people, and you really don't realize it. And I think uh, what's really unique and what's fun about that is got to know them on a real personal basis and before they were who were who they are now. And it gives you a different perspective, I guess, on uh, a lot of those guys in, in, in a good way. I mean, a more personal perspective, I guess I'd like to say. And, uh, but yeah, traveling around and, you know, when we go first time I was in Minnesota was, uh, for an ice fishing tournament. And I had no idea where I was. I was probably 14, maybe 15 at the time. And it was for the championships as after they qualified up there in South Dakota, we're up around the Alexandria area. And, uh, my experience was, holy cow, they got a giant Viking standing in the middle of town. <laughs> you know? I mean, that, that was my takeaway. And, and then all of a sudden I see these people just driving on the ice with their, you know, three-quarter ton pickups. I'm like, yep, that, that's different. Because <laughs> you guys, really unique experience you guys aren't allowed to drive on the ice in Nebraska, right? That's illegal. Right, yeah, nothing... Nothing over a UTV and no permies. We cannot. We can't have a permit oh, wow. on the ice I at all. I never realized that. That uh, mayor yep. up there in Ohio got a hold of him. You know, and, <laughs> and he knows what happens <laughs> once the you prost- allow they ice don't want no prostitution <laughs> in right. Nebraska, Sand Hills. <laughs> keep it off our lakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> in in all reality, like where we're at is is a unique area, and I think that's how come Dad got into ice fishing so much. We Growing up in the Sand Hills, 
and all that. It's like when everybody thinks ice. So the Platte River is to the south of us, and honestly, here in the Sand Hills, we actually have a little more elevation, and we stay on average anywhere from five to ten degrees colder than the Platte Valley and pretty much the entire eastern part of the state. So with that, we actually retain ice a, little, a lot better than a lot of those lakes. Plus, most of those lakes have some sort of flow in them because, it, I mean, besides your smaller ponds and stuff like that, but they have a lot of flow in them because they're part of the canal system. And I mean, like Merritt is too, but Merritt's far enough north, we stay cold enough that, I mean, I remember growing up that we drilled, there's some years we drilled through 32 inches of ice. I mean, you oh, could have wow. drove your pickups out there. Yep. But it's just it's just a unique part of the area, and there's there's a pretty old culture of ice fishing in this area. It's just, like, you talk to the old timers, oh, yeah, I got my old, you know, they they. There's old guys that still run the old jiffies and their old slip bobber uh, wooden rods and stuff like that. Because I'm sure through the day or through the years that they didn't have consistent ice, kind of like what we do now. But when we do get a good year, we we can hold it for quite a while. Yeah, right. But now, now yeah, you I mean, fish. I think that. Go ahead. Now, now you fished some of those tournaments back in the day, right? Yeah, uh, so Tristan and I entered up, <laughs> this is a bad story. <laughs> Let's hear it. So, <laughs> we entered up, and I got us entered up in uh, Osakis. And uh, Tristan and I, we get up there the day before, you know, and we go pre-fish. We get out on the lake, and that's when I realized I forgot my Vexler at home. <laughs> and I heard about that pretty frequently, and that was everything's packed. I had rods, everything, and I forget my Vexler at home. <laughs> so anyway, me being older brother, Tristan starts catching fish in this spot. So, well, I said, well, you got to figure it out. Give me the Vexler. I'm not catching anything. So I take the Vexler. I start catching fish, and it's just cold. It was, I bet there was 10 inches of snow and another 4 inches of slush, and then we're drilling through, and this is back when we are running power augers. I was probably... 16, maybe 17, and Tristan would have been, what, 14 at the time, and uh, just cold as heck out. I mean, there was ice forming on the inside of our shacks, and and anyway, so tournament day, we everybody takes off, and uh, I'll never forget it. We're, we're, like, clearing the back of the line, and there's this little gas station slash convenience store slash cafe right there, just a cool little place. <laughs> the first time I ever seen an Amish person, they come up and they pull like 15 blankets off and they go into the convenience store to get some. And I'm like, and we're about to walk on ice and he just pulled 15 blankets off. I think I can handle this. I, <laughs> I have the ice gear. I think I can, if he can ride into a headwind with an open face cab and 15 blankets, I can walk on that ice and catch fish. Cause I think that wind chill that morning. It was right around, I don't know, 22 below zero or, 20 below zero and we're not used to the humidity that humidity that's a game changer yeah, okay. <laughs> a wet cold is a nasty cold yep so anyway we go out there everybody takes off and we go out there about 100 yards off the boat ramp park right off the boat ramp on this little reef and we got our limit of crappie i think we were one out of the one out of qualifying but the way it 
worked if you qualified in another tournament, they would take another person come championship. So we ended up getting into the championship, which was in Rylander. And, and then, uh, so that next, the uh, winter, we went up to Rylander for championship and that was an experience. That, that was, the ice started going bad on us. So we couldn't fish, we couldn't get through and go fish the other lake. And we ended up staying on the same lake. And that was my first experience with combat fishing. And after that, I was just like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this tournament. I kind of <laughs> like the fun stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, everybody knew where the fish were, and we just kind of stacked on top of each other, and you sit on the outside and try to pick off what you can. I don't even know. It was a two-day tournament, and I think, I don't know if we even got a limit both days, but it was it was tough fishing. But, you know, you watch those guys, you learn a lot, you know, how to stay mobile and then when not to be so mobile and like we that's what we figured out that day everybody came in there and started drilling holes and then we started watching you know some of our friends and stuff and they moved to the outside well they're just blowing those fish out so we go to the outside but those fish didn't want to leave that area because it's like it was some of the best structure in the lake and you know we we spent three days on that lake pre-fishing and we you know there's not there wasn't just a ton of structure that was holding quality fish that was about the only place i was holding real quality fish and so yeah i mean right there we learned so a lot of times i'll fish an outside of a group and in fact it's kind of my norm now i'll fish the outside of a group especially if it's a large group and i'll end up finding fish that get blown out of an area like that right right but, and that was the end of your other, tournament fishing then uh, for the nsc series Every year I do our uh, local Cork Thornton tournament. I fished with my uncle. I fished with a buddy. I fished with Garrett. So it's it's a fun deal. It goes to the fire department or the town of Valentine, their commerce and all that. And part of that money goes to the fire department. So it's a uh, it's a good fundraiser for all that. And it's it's a real good time. A lot of those guys I fished with. In fact, there's some guys from the NFC that come down and fish it. And, nice. And they and they'll tell you. It's probably one of the tougher tournaments. I mean, the fish, there's quality fish, but, I mean, it's just, it's tough fishing. Yeah, no, I bet. Um, now, you talked about, like, growing up and some of these guys that were running around that your dad was fishing against, that you guys were fishing against that, I mean, that we know pretty well right now. They yeah. become big names in the industry and stuff. Did you ever, like, you know, being a teenage kid, you kind of take for granted, like, your opportunity to be around those guys. Like I think now as adults that we're older and we look back at it, like how, like you wish you probably would have sat back more and kind of listened, like watched what they were doing, like learn from them. Did you take advantage oh, of yeah. it? Did you take advantage of that when you were younger? Or do you feel like you kind of missed out on that opportunity that was in front of you? Cause you really didn't realize what was there. You know, I wish I knew what I knew now cause I would have picked their brains then, but sitting around and listening to them. like you know afterwards i'll never forget so when rylander it's a really neat town we went downtown and there's this little bar cafe just right down from our hotel and we went in there and sat around and ate and visited and did all that and it, it reminded me a lot of brandon we just sit around and listen to the old timers talk and and as a teenager and growing up the way i grew up you kind of learn that when the old timers start talking you just kind of keep your mouth quiet because you can learn a lot just listening to old stories and soaking it in and I learned quite a little there and but like you said I wish 
I wish I knew what I knew now so I could pick their minds a little bit more and get just a little bit more out of them. But no, we, you know, that's one thing we've always done. And I don't know if it's just a Sandhiller thing or there's a lot of people that do that. But, you know, you, you sit around and, t- you know, visit along and do all that. And it there's a lot of information that happens after 6 o'clock, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the guys just got to pay attention, and yeah, it, it's it's worth listening to, even if it's just for the stories. You know? Oh yeah, the stories—that's that's most of it. I mean, that's the best stuff. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're fishing with some friends of ours, and uh, this is one of those nights, and I've never like we don't have rock piles down here in Nebraska, and they got talking about how they've they call them reefs or whatever and stuff. And so we went out on them and, and, or they were explaining how they fish them. And I'm like, well, that's completely different on how I fish a weed bed in Nebraska. And I, you know, I take a little bit of that where they like to fish the edges for perch or stuff. And I've taken that and applied it and, and it's worked well for me. And it, but it's just one of those things that you never would have thought, you know, but that's the thing. It, it, that's the beauty of ice fishing is, you're able to take something from somewhere else and apply it somewhere else. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but you know, you might be the only one that's running it that way in your area. Right now. Now those Sandhill lakes, I mean, do you, do you have any lakes like besides merit, uh, where you're fishing like up over 10 foot of water? You know, we have some places they have holes that get, you know, 12, to 15 foot but on on average you don't get over 15 at all yep and, it, and it's just it, it, well you know what it's like when you're going through the hills and all of a sudden you find like a an old buffalo waller or something like that or or maybe it's an area that flooded that has a has an old trail going through it and you'll find some deeper stuff like that but as a natural basin like you, you think about looking over those flats that's that's just what it is it's just a low spot in that flat that's flooded and they're basically featureless right i mean we're, you're just talking featureless bowls for your lakes yeah pretty much yeah i mean you walk out there and it is what it is whatever whatever was there before the water is going to create whatever feature you have in there whether it's a you know, the, the old timers still joke about this one lake that got flooded, and they're pretty sure there's still windrows in the bottom because <laughs> they uh, they mowed it one weekend and got it all raked, and then they took off for the rodeo for the weekend, and they came back and they had six inches of rain, and the lake and it flooded that spot, and it's, the water's never gone down ever since then. <laughs> That's crazy. So then, are they pretty hard bottom, or are they soft, or is there like a lot of transitions? There's a lot of transitions, and and that that's kind of the beauty of the Sandhill Lakes is the fertility of them. I mean, you have really good mud bottoms in some areas that really help with the perch and the bloodworms, and then other areas you have softer ground where you get a lot of coontail growth, and which really helps you know your your bluegill and your young your younger perch or uh, crappie because they can. Uh, eat those invertebrates and they're not exposed to your bigger predators like pike or um, bass so now, yeah, it, the, the, go ahead no I was going to say a, a lot of these ponds that you're fishing I mean these are 
you know what what we up north uh, consider a farm pond i mean that's that's a lot of your lakes down there it's uh um, most of this is on private ground right yeah so nebraska is one of the largest uh private ground owners uh there's not a ton of uh, public ground but yeah i mean you get on a google map and so the way the sand hills are set up i mean you have high ground low ground and marshes and what it is is just you'll have these springs feed out of these hills where it's sand so they just leach out of the sand and they'll start flooding these low areas and then with that you'll you'll create a pond and some years on the good years you have it and other years like our pond is completely dried up right now so i mean it's it's a real different i guess uh i don't know environment for fish and it's a tough environment but when it's good everything's there for those fish to survive and then when it's bad only the tough survive if any you know yeah i think that's just part of being in the sand hills i think only the tough survive <laughs> you better get hell hell just just right before yeah. we're freaking starting this i go walking across the ground right where i ha- unloaded all my bags after coming back and sure as sure as crap i freaking get a big old uh sand burr right in my big toe <laughs> it's, i didn't know if we were going to be able to record i mean he kind of hit the ground. i thought he got bad shot or something like that i was like what's going on you know the sand hills are everything's got points or, or spikes on it uh it's it's never ending windburn never ending sunburn never ending frostbite uh uh for it I, it is it's only the strong survive out there <laughs> well back in the day when heck, laramie was founded before bowling nebraska was founded so that's saying something that's about 450 miles to the west so So now like your fish out there in the sand hills though they you guys can get some pretty good sized fish can't you yeah yeah we can so our growth rates are phenomenal through the sand hills from spawn till depending on the lake and that's the thing our lakes change from lake to lake to valley to valley excuse me uh they change quite a little but uh yeah, our lakes are very, very fertile. I mean, if you can figure three-quarters of the lake is seeing sunlight clear at the bottom and you're having good growth and you have plenty of vegetation and then on the high-water years, that's the thing. On a high-water year, you can flood and almost double your land mass or your water mass in that lake just because it just starts leaching out and it gives places for young fish to go and it gives and it gives it more... You know, you get more invertebrates, you get more feed for your fish. But, uh, yeah, and then, but then on on the vice versa side, like I was saying, you turn around and you hit a drought like we're in right now. We're in a two-year drought, and we're scared that we're going to lose almost 60% of our lakes this year. Oh, wow. Just for the same reason. But then we flip around. If we start getting a wet year, we can turn around in five years, be back to phenomenal fish. I mean, there's still some good fish out there it's just we could be back to trophy fish hunting again well count us in we'll be there (laughs) i'll take you guys anytime you want to come down nope now now zach you're a rancher and and uh i mean obviously uh uh people nowadays you know they're watching yellowstone and and everything else and so they think they know what uh what ranching's like but uh 
Um, you know, like right now, obviously, we were just down there, and you have big feed days and small feed days, and uh, just just take us through what the average day looks like uh, for for a rancher now. Say, I mean, big feed day. You know, obviously, you don't got to go into extreme detail, but uh, um, during the winter months, uh, what what does the ranching look like? Sure. Uh, the honest, best way to start is the cows don't. They don't know if it's Christmas. They don't know what day of the week it is. They don't know if it's Sunday or Monday. So. Their, your job is to take care of them 24-7, 365. I mean, and as a rancher, you feel like you have a responsibility to that because they don't know any better. And so on big feed days, uh, you know, we're going out, we're feeding the cows, uh, we'll feed the calves. We feed the calves every day. We're feeding them, uh, they call them a cube, or we call it cake out here. And uh, it's just, it comes in all sorts of... It, it ha- you can get it from soybean, you can get it from cottonseed. We use a DDG, a distiller's grain, uh byproduct of ethanol. Um, and you can put stuff in it like minerals. And anyway, that's, that's kind of our protein base for our cows. And the way we ranch, everybody ranches different, clear around us. And, and, uh, but the way we do it is, uh, we try to free range as much as possible. Try to have them graze as long as long as the snow lets us anyway, or Mother Nature. And then uh, once that we get a snow or getting close to cabin season, we'll start feeding them a little bit of hay here and there. If it starts getting nasty cold, it's just a little... Because cows are, cows are different. They're just kind of like a big old furnace. And the more you feed that furnace, the warmer they stay. So you give them what they can get off the ground. Like right now, they're staying pretty good. And then we just put a little... We give them a little protein supplement to stoke that fire. And uh, as the months go on and it gets colder, and as those cows start to hit their third trimester, they require more because our cows are, you know, they got a baby in them right now. Everything on the ranch right now has a baby in them. So it's important to keep those cows uh, kind of fat and sassy going through these months, or at least maintain them. That's the biggest thing. You, you, You need to maintain them. Because going into that third trimester, by the time we hit February, going into March, when we start calving, you know, you, you want that cow to be able to sustain herself plus a calf that's on the ground. So, yeah, right now, uh, big feed day, we're just plugging along and uh, we'll feed. We got uh, five groups of cows right now and uh, three groups of calves. And we're going to get rid of a group of cows we're selling and uh, two groups of calves here before too long. Mostly because it's just, you know, in the middle of a drought, it's it's tough to keep them. And if you can't, you know, you don't want them to starve any. But at the same time, you can't, uh, it's hard to keep feeding them if uh, it's costing an arm and a leg. Right. Now, now you guys do that feeding in, in a cake truck. And uh, yep. driving that cake truck when you guys get out there and, and you're ready to start spilling them... Uh, uh, spilling them some food, you'll turn on the sirens and, uh, you know, we'd be out hunting and all of a sudden you can hear Aaron, you know, a couple valleys over and the sirens are going and, 
and that just notifies the, all the cows in the area that that uh, you know it's the dinner bell, and they'll come freaking yep. barreling over the hills, and just just one of the coolest <laughs> things is, I mean, it's kind of like when my mom says, "Hey Scott, we're going to Pizza Ranch," and I'm just like, I'm getting revved up, stoking my fire. I was gonna say stoking, <laughs> stoking the fire. Hopefully, you guys had a little extra cake out there for Scott when he was out there and stoked that fire. Yeah, Aaron would turn on the sirens, and I'd come running. <laughs> I think we need to get Kayla a siren. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, yep. yeah, it just so like typically, what time do you usually get up and start going out and working? So right now it's it's a little later just for those cows. They need. We found that if you give them, you know, forty five minutes to an hour, that once that sun peaks up over the hill, it warms them up. You know, it's it's kind of like you waking up in the morning. You need a little bit of time to wake up yep. and warm up. And those cows get a little of that sunlight, and they warm up, and they come into that feed a lot better. Because what we found is you can go out there before the sun comes up, and uh, you can sit there and blow that siren, and they'll just kind of trickle in. And by the end, by the time you're done feeding, you're it's the same time if you were to wait an extra 45 minutes. So I mean, we're we're rolling out of there. Well, the sunrise was at 6.40. By 7, 7.30, we're out feeding and starting to break ice and doing all that. Yep. So unless it's unless we got a big day ahead of us, you know, we'll get out early and get some hay fed and all that. But come later, you know, springtime, the hours start getting a little bit shorter We or longer. We're out there quite a little sooner, especially Kevin. Dad's. Dad normally makes his first check, I don't know, between 4.30 and 5 o'clock. And then uh, that's kind of when the day gets rolling then. Yeah, yeah, yeah old cabin early, season. Yeah, early enough. <laughs> early enough. <laughs> Do you guys run into a lot of pre- predator problems out there, like when they're free-ranging like that? Uh, not this time of year, but come cabin season, a cow's never going to pass up a pretty easy meal. And right. then if you get an old, yeah, you get an old female with a couple pups, and she knows what she's doing. We've we've had a problem in the past. She'll come up and her and another pup will distract the cow and another couple cows will come in and kill the calf and then they'll just take off. Yeah. Well, they know that once the calf's dead, they can come back later and they'll eat it. They don't need to be there and eat on it then. And then, you know, I've heard stories of ranchers, cows out calving, the cows are right there. When you got a bad cow problem, they'll be right there chewing on the calf as it's coming out. You know, the cow's crazy. laying down trying to get, so. Yeah. So I, I put, I put Scott on uh, coyote duty and all he did was uh, make sure Hornaday was going to make a little more money. Hey, 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 hey watch right it, now. watch <laughs> it. You put me on coyote duty. I, that, that coyote I was shooting at is still running out there somewhere. He ain't, <laughs> he ain't in Jerry County He's, anymore. No, he might, he might have <laughs> oh, made no, it to he, South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> he was moving I, I, I didn't realize you wanted me to kill him I thought this was a scaring kind of scaring deal my bad I, no I guess at the end of the day you solved the problem he's no longer my problem but. <laughs> <laughs> he's no, like just, I don't know how many of them there were but man there was a lot of shooting going on <laughs> I'm out of here I, I freaking let her rip I'll tell you that I just I just didn't uh, wasn't very accurate but uh now, now, Zach, no, you talked a, you talked earlier a little bit about uh, rodeo, and and I I think we got to talk about it. Uh, uh, you were a saddle bronc rider. 
Uh, when when did you start doing that? Well, mom and dad said I couldn't start rodeo until I I learned to do it since I was a freshman in high school, and maybe even a little earlier. And uh, mom and dad said I couldn't do it until I was forty five pounds. Well, they didn't think I was going to hit forty five pounds for a while because I was I wrestled. Uh, 119 pounds by freshman year, and I probably only weighed 115. But, uh, so, my sophomore year came and went, and, and, uh, between my sophomore and my junior year, I said, I want a rodeo. So I started eating as much as I could. I just overstuffed myself. And by the spring, uh, between my junior and senior year, I had 145. So I asked him, I said, well, I did it. Now what? <laughs> I think I don't think they're all that excited about it. So I started uh, my first rodeo was in uh, Mitchell, Nebraska. Actually, I take that back. Um, the, that was my first high school rodeo. My first ever rodeo. I went out to a Bronx school out in Cody, Wyoming, and uh, we got on some horses there. And then that night, I hit the Cody Stampede. That was my first ever rodeo, so. And and I'm assuming that was probably pretty stout competition. Oh, not that night. It was middle of the week. Okay. You know, you get closer to the weekend, you start finding the guys that are traveling through, hitting the circuit, and they stop in there, and they'll go in there for some easy money because there's a bunch of kids like me trying to think that we're all Billy Upbauer or something like that, or Wade Sundell, and. <laughs> Now, now that's definitely not the case. Now, Cody, is that is that the one that uh, they've got a rodeo every single night of the week all summer long? Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. That's the place they have the Cody Thunder. And I tell you what, when you're when you're sixteen, seventeen years old, and you're about to get on a bucking horse, and they have aluminum bleachers, and they say, "Let's get these boys wound up," and they start stomping those aluminum bleachers behind you, and that place gets to rocking and rolling. The only other place I can think you guy get that wound up is Memorial Stadium. Kinnick Stadium. Kinnick <laughs> Stadium, I think, is what you were trying to say there. <laughs> I knew right where you were going the second yeah. you started with that one. <laughs> but, um, no, I tell you what, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a cool place, sitting right beneath the mountain and all that. It, it's a neat place. But. I've, I've actually been there for a rodeo. Very cool place. Now, you, uh, uh, you ended up going off to uh, – uh, the University of Wyoming, and uh, actually on the rodeo team there for a year, right? Yep, yep. I was there on the rodeo team for a year, and uh, and I thought, well, there's probably a lot warmer places to do this. So then I, uh, and I, I'll, I'll never regret it. I mean, I got a rodeo in some of the neatest places. Sheridan, Wyoming is a cool place. Riverton, Wyoming is a pretty neat place, and they all kind of have their own little stories too. But uh, no, then I ended up down in Garden City, Kansas, where I met my wife and uh, rodeoed down there for a little bit, and that was fun. And then I was just doing a lot of amateur rodeos at that time. The problem about rodeo is if you're not making a lot of money, it costs a lot. So <laughs> so uh, you got sick and tired of uh, getting injuries and, and losing money, so you decided to hang it up? Yeah, well... Yeah, we. Uh, I was amateur rodeoing clear until my old, my firstborn son. He was probably six, seven months old, and diapers got expensive. And uh, 
hand rodeo got expensive and I had uh, a choice to make so I decided uh, I'd better start paying for some diapers and stuff so that's when I got into that's when I really got into ice fishing actually is after I quit rodeoing. And uh, not only diapers but you had to pay for a new set of teeth at one time too didn't you? <laughs> yep. All yeah, right well I, you got to tell, tell the story you got to tell the story. Okay so we were I entered up in Stapleton Rodeo, which is just down the road. <clears throat> we, uh, Juma had the stock there. Anyways, one of those just perfect nights. And I was, I was actually, I just got done winning two rodeos that month. And this is kind of the last rodeo I was going to hit for the year. And, uh, and this all goes to your points to make finals. So I got in Stapleton and, uh, I saw my horse, T-52, I'll never forget it, go out there, and I asked the guy, he says, well, I don't really know, he's a new horse, you know, he's a young horse, so we really don't know what to give him. He says, just give him a long average. I said, okay, not a problem. Long average, if you make a fist and hold your thumb out, as straight as you can hold your thumb out, that's a long average, and that's what you give your hack rein. Well... So I got him, and he took a little running start, and uh, then I tapped off, and he just circled right around to the right, right to the fence. I mean, it was probably, they had him in the far end chute, and it was only about 15 yards from the end of the chute to the fence, and he turned real hard on me. And uh, I think that horse probably would have taken a little more than a long average, because all of a sudden we got to that fence, and he took everything I had, and then some and uh, launched me into the bottom rail of the fence and uh, knocked out my front tooth and ended up breaking another tooth, split my chin wide open. And yeah, it was, my mother was not very happy, especially since I was about, that was two weeks after I got my uh, braces taken off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> At 19 years old, my mother was not impressed with me. <laughs> Now, now, your dad mentioned something about wedding pictures uh, with with missing teeth. Is that is that your I, wedding? Yeah. Well, they. I went and got one of them fake teeth. It's like a retainer. You pop it in your mouth and do all that. Well, I just, I it just bothered me, so I just popped it out and I said, "Well, I'm going to get my wedding pictures like this because if my wife's going to accept me like this, I guess the rest <laughs> of the world can too." <laughs> I like that. Oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> and now I got an implant, and it's probably going to be my last tooth I'll ever own. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long yeah. as you're as long as you're not rodeoing, hopefully you get to die with that sucker. <laughs> so. <laughs> nope. nope uh, yeah. You got you got any, you got any more crazy rodeo stories? <laughs> um. Probably. I got plenty of them. I just don't know if they're PG. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not one's good enough to tell or, or, or tame enough to tell on the podcast, huh? Yeah, no. It, there's all sorts of fun rodeo stories out there. Actually, I will. Uh, I got one. <laughs> so I entered up in Bertrand, and uh, there was this kid, get, and he thought he wanted to ride bareback horses, which never ridden a bucking horse a day in his life and uh 
he just thought he'd get in the rodeo. He borrowed his rigging from a buddy. And if you've never seen bareback riding a horse, just imagine you're putting your hand in a suitcase and jumping off a train. It's about the equivalent. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so this kid gets wedged in there. He's, and he is, doesn't even have a bareback ridden glove. He's got his old farm gloves, but he got the size bigger so he can create a, a nipple, essentially a crease across your glove. And that's what he had. And then they taped it on there with duct tape, which is, yeah, it wasn't good. And the thing is, he had to take his uh, CTs, or we call them farmer pliers up in this part of the world. He had to take those off first because those come flying out. He gets there and he asked me, he's like, can you help pull my rig? And I said, I'm going to help you pull, but you better just hang on. He says, okay. So I helped pull his rig and he says, that's tight enough. I said, no, we're we're going tighter, buddy. (laughs) So we get this, get him cinched in there, get him in. And I'm telling him, I said, all right, you got to lean back here. And he gets all squatted in there. I told him lift on his rig, and he and he turned and looked at me. He says, "What what are you talking about? Lift on your rig?" And I said, "You got to pry up on your rig and stand underneath it." And I may as well talk Spanish to the poor kid. And I said, "Just get up in there and nod when you're ready." He nodded. He went out two jumps, and I think he went as high as a crow's nest. <laughs> that kid came out that back end, and he did two somersaults. <laughs> his buddies had to go get him, peel him out of the arena, and walk him back home it was not a good night for him (laughs) (laughs) that was the end of his rodeo career (laughs) yeah hey he had more teeth than i did coming out of i was gonna say he came (laughs) out better than you did (laughs) (laughs) my my rodeo career was short-lived too so (laughs) well you got a rodeo career well my buddies rode bulls when we were in high school and uh, a local guy, he had a arena out there, so we went out there the one day, and I had to help load up a couple bulls, and we were helping him in the chute, get on the bull and everything like that, so we're standing up there, and they had this, one of them, they tried to get in there, but he could turn around all the way in the chute, so it's like, all right, we got to let him go, nobody's getting on him, <laughs> but the other one come rolling in there, and that was, that was a, he was a big sucker, and he was sitting there, and we're helping him get on the bull and all this stuff, and we're... We're holding on to him, getting everything all ready to go, and then all of a sudden that thing decided it was not having any part of that, and it came straight up, and it had actually ended up jumping out of the chute. So we were all jumping and scrambling and stuff like that, and I was like, "No, no, no, I'm good. I'll watch it from a distance. I don't, I don't need to be that close to the action." He was a pissed off uh, animal, so I didn't need to be there. Yeah. And that was the day you retired. Yep. So that you were was luck smarter than all of us. <laughs> I was kind of like I was. I wasn't like one of the bullfighter, one of the clowns. I was. I was out of there. Just... Yeah. Don't need to be a hero. No. Nope, no. Nope. I didn't even look back to see if my buddy was all right. I, I think we pulled him out, but <laughs> every man for himself. <laughs> this thing looked into my soul. I was yeah. having no business up there. All right, Zach. Well, uh, um, closing in on, uh, well, heck, we're over 45 minutes. uh, um, So I don't know, uh, unless you got something else you want to say, I'd say uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, hopefully we get to, uh, hopefully we get to do this again. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. You boys seem to make it down here to Nebraska. I think we're going to have, we're going to have some pretty good ice this year. And I think uh, what lakes we have is, it's going to be pretty good fishing, so if not, I'd never turn down free help for Brandy. 
Well, I'll, I'll be at branding for sure. I'll be at branding for sure. But uh, I'm 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 hoping to get down there sometime this winter and uh, hit up a couple of those Sandhills lakes. Yeah, definitely. Well, that'd be fun. Garrett, Garrett already pulled through. Uh, uh, he caught a nine and nine tenths of an inch bluegill today. Yeah, All he right. sent me that picture. That dirty dog. <laughs> I'm gonna let air out of his tires. It's great visiting with you boys. You bet. Uh, thanks for joining us. You Zach. too, man. So, talk to you later. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. There he goes, the old son, Zach Cox, uh, the cowboy. The cowboy. The cowboy. The I want to. I I should have asked Zach, but I want to know how old his chore jacket is. You posted that picture the other day. I mean, he had a nice he had a nice blackfish vest underneath of it and everything like that. But I can tell you, it's that, for sure three. I can tell you, it's for sure three years old because first mean, year that we ever came down there, he was running that. I think. Like next to ice fishermen, ranchers are definitely hard on their gear. Oh, no doubt about it. No I mean, that doubt picture, about it. You could definitely tell that he's he's hard on his choring coach. Well, he's coach. he's got the bibs that go with that. Oh, I don't think man. there's a butt left in him. Like, I <laughs> think uh, they're toward they're chaps now. It's 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 it, it's it's a ghillie suit. All right, you know, it's like when you want to be a rancher, but you also kind of want to. I think we've all had that. That's like that's like in a guy's DNA. It's like. When you find something that fits right and it's you comfortable, don't, you don't get rid of it's it. It's like it's painful. Like you know, it's like time to give that thing up, but it's just like I can't do it. I've got I a set of Wrang- I've got a set of uh, of Wrangler jeans that I've blown the crotch out of. I ain't getting rid of them. No, I ain't getting rid of them. I ain't wearing them out in public, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe underneath of an ice fishing deal, but like these are like the softest, nicest jeans there are. I just can't. I can't bring myself to do it. Like my wife will tell me, like, yeah, go through your closet, get rid of the stuff that you ain't gonna wear. All right, sounds good. And I'm throwing away like perfectly good. Well, not throwing them away, but like you know, getting rid of perfectly good pairs of jeans that just don't fit quite right, or right. you know, whatever. Like jeans are one of those deals. Oh, like you're telling. I know. Yeah. I mean, and uh, uh, but yeah, that that one single pair of of uh, jeans in the on the I, I I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, I cannot get rid of them. And it's like one of those deals where like you're finally like, all right, yeah, I need to get rid of them. And you like go, you set them on the pile to like get rid of. And then all of a sudden, like right at the last second, you're like, "Yeah, I maybe next time." Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, they're still good. I can still get some more use out yep. of them. Yep. Like, yep. yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, what if I got to do something, something in the basement? Right. <laughs> yep. That's we justify. We yep. justify that stuff. Yep. But uh, well, uh, I suppose um, you know I don't really have a, a frozen pizza review this week. Uh, we we did have a frozen pizza down there with Aaron. But I'm not 100% sure. I know that it was a great value, which is the Walmart brand, and it was a rising crust. And uh, I didn't get to eat all of it, but I ate a good a good portion of it. But uh, um, I, I think I'm going to get another one of those to, to, to get so, that I can, so that I can house so the you whole can thing. eat the whole thing by yeah, yourself. I can because, house the whole thing. Because you can't tell by just having. That's you're, exactly right. You're not, you're not like other pizza reviews that say one bite everybody knows the rule no you're one pizza, one pizza, pizza. and everybody yeah I'm, else can 
get their own. <laughs> yeah, if I if I don't house the whole entire thing, like I'm not doing a real just, review on yeah, it because I mean because sometimes the, the the fifth piece isn't as good as the second piece. Oh and, right, and you yeah, just or don't you might know. stumble across something like, oh okay, now I'm, getting, I'm picking up what oh, you're yeah, putting down right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. I want the whole pizza to myself, and if I can't have that, I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> so, uh, um, and and also Josh Cox, uh, he sent me. Uh, he sent me a different brand, uh, and I think he said that was from Walmart. Uh, do, 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 do. Let me see where Joshy is. That was uh, Market Side Ultimate Meat Pizza. Anything that says Ultimate Meat, I mean, pff, I'm, right. I'm in for yeah. that. So yeah. I'm also going to try uh, try to get me one of those. But, uh, um, yeah, whatever. I, I, I think this is two weeks in a row that I haven't done one, but uh, that's just the way the cookie's crumbling right now. Uh, uh, I... I mean, I was eating freaking prime rib sandwiches and frickin', <laughs> yeah. I mean, like beer cheese soup and and frozen like, pizza was kind of the last thing on your mind. I'm not gonna lie to you, I was eating freaking good. So <laughs> uh, frozen pizza will have to wait, but I, right. I guarantee you, I'm gonna have one this week. So yeah, um, whatever. Uh, with that, uh, we will get to the Freedom Brew good news story of the week. Our buddies over at Freedom Brew, Austin and Brianna. Um, I was over there a while before I took off, uh, one of the nights before I took off, uh, I think they're going to start dabbling, uh, with donuts. Ooh. I like that. And, uh, so between donuts, between coffee, um, you know, they're, they're going to kind of have my, uh, my money freaking I, I might get half of your paycheck. I was going to say my wages deposit. are going to get garnished. <laughs> just send it right over to freedom brew direct so. deposit right into their account over there. Yep. I, uh, I actually talked to Austin on the way back from uh, Nebraska. He said he, he, you know, Austin's got a pond. I've, I've kind of talked about that before. Uh, he said his brother-in-law got out on that pond, uh, four inches of ice as of last weekend. And, uh, so I'm kind of getting a little revved up about that. Austin's going deer hunting, uh, with the slug season, uh, I believe this weekend, but he said the weekend after that, let's get out there. So, uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get loosened up right that's now. Right. I, that's my favorite. That is my favorite. Sleep. Yep. That's right. But, uh, uh, yeah, Freedom Brew Coffee Shop, Largewood, Iowa, the best coffee shop in the world, brings you this week's good news stories of the week. And uh, Matt, I'll let you start off. Um, I have one I saw online the other day um, talking, like I think it was on Ice Fish in Minnesota or something like that, about a Stillwater father opens bait shop to help son with special needs. I saw needs. this, yeah. And I was like, all right. And I clicked on the article, and I, you know, I'm just going to read the article right here. Um, for Will Isaacson, opening up his own bait shop is a dream come true. Uh, not only is Walleye Willie's Bait and Tackle, that's just kind of a cool Absolutely. tackle shop name, already reeling in customers, but it will also soon provide a golden opportunity for Isaacson's golden years. I had been talking about it for a long time, and, and my wife said, I'm sick of hearing you talk about it all the time. Go out and buy that expensive bait tank. And then she said, you are going to uh, have... A, to open up a bait shop um, in addition to selling just about anything anyone would ever need for to go fishing there's a lounge area for customers and Isaacson's son William to hang out uh, William has Down syndrome and autism and Isaacson is hooked on the idea that bringing William to work with him every day after he retires sometime next year uh, that's a dream he's got a place to go with me I know he's going to be taken care of I know he's being supervised and he's going to have some chores he's going to do as to have to do as well. 
said Isaacson. Um, if it wasn't for this place, we don't know where we would be. Some kids go to group homes, things like that. But if my dad can bring him here every day and retire, William can be in care 24-7, which is really what he needs, said Isaacson's daughter, Sydney. Uh, customers who bring in someone with special needs get a special deal. Uh, we have a chromy homie 23% discount with Down syndrome with the 23rd chromosome. So we decided uh, we would do a 23% discount, said Isaacson. Uh, Isaacson said he's been sober for nearly 10 years, but being able to share his passion for fishing with his family is the thing that will keep him afloat. I would probably do this until I die. This is long-term, said Isaac, Isaacson. So I read that. I just thought that was a really cool story. Um, so if you're up in that area, that still water area, swing all in, swing on into uh, walleye willies and uh, check it out. You know, help support them. Yep. Now I'm I'm going to give my shout out shout out, and I don't know if it's good news or what it is, but uh, my shout out this week uh, for for the good news story is going to go to Jason Durham. Oh, who, uh, <laughs> up at the uh, St. Paul Ice Show, uh, which which we didn't really talk about at all, but uh, you know that was. Uh, that was at the happening place this last weekend, and Jason Durham shows up in a Wonder Bread suit with a top hat and a cane, and I think he was handing out free candy canes. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I'm sure if you go on Facebook and just ch- type in uh, Jason Durham, I, I got to think that it's somewhere there. Um, let me see. Jason Durham. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it's all over. You can see it. Uh, oh, yeah. He was rocking yep. it. Yep, there's there's a good there's a good uh, Scott Mockintoon. If you're friends with Scott Mockintoon, he actually has a picture of him, Don Cox, and Jason Durham, and uh, uh, you know that's just there's a lot of people that uh, get really caught up uh, in in the fishing world you know with being serious and and uh, you know there there's a lot of people that 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 are serious but you know they they can still have fun, and then there's Durham who I mean he is just. He's he's living his best life. Just uh, he, right. he don't he, give a crap, and uh, he just wants to see some people smile. And I don't know. I just thought it was what it's all about. I yep. mean, he's he's everything that's good about this sport. No doubt about that. I think that maybe we need to get like I don't know about a life size cutout, but like a cutout of him in that Wonder Bread thing, and just kind of like take it on adventures with us this this winter. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. It's <laughs> not a bad idea at all. I like that a lot. The wandering wonder bread man or something I, I like think, that. I think that's going to happen. I, <laughs> I think that's really going to happen. So, um, all right. Uh, that is episode 198. Uh, um, thanks for uh, letting us come at you a couple days late. Uh, you knew, you know what I had going on, but uh, um, yeah, we'll see you next week on episode 199. And uh, uh, I think we're going to, I think we're going to do something special for 200. I don't know what it is yet. Uh, maybe a giveaway, uh, uh, something, I, I, I don't know. I haven't, haven't decided yet. Uh, Matt and I will talk it over, but, uh, somebody's going to um, get a chance to win a free pair of, uh, Wrangler jeans that ooh. crash blown out. <laughs> I'll sign the back pocket for you. <laughs> All right. That's it. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later.